Why would I want to go shopping? I mean, when I can have stuff delivered to my door within a, a few hours. Episode 201, The Future of Retail. You might be asking, are most stores doomed to fail? You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. With 1.8 million listens and downloads growing every week, this is The Game Changers with Jason Jennings, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today best-selling author of eight books on leadership, growth, innovation, speed, and reinvention. This is The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. And Jason... As always, fantastic to be with you today. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Uh, so, so am I. Uh, just always remember, everybody, bad attitude will get a bad result. A good attitude will get a good result. And a great attitude will get a great result. And I'm just going to go through life every day looking in the mirror, no matter what's going on in my life, and say, I'm going to have a great attitude today. So I, I knew you were going to respond that way. I, I just, uh, I, I, I can't imagine going through life with my dauber down or, or having a bad attitude. No kidding. And we always get great results with this podcast. It's a lot of fun. And and this is one I'm specifically interested in because um, you always open our eyes to some new ideas, but I don't think retail's dead. I think the ones who do it right are going to stick around. But how did we end up with this topic about the future of retail? Okay. So three things uh, have happened. Uh, uh, so it, it was a national holiday weekend uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, in, uh, in the United States where we record this. And uh, during that week, uh, so the holiday was celebrated. On, so everybody took a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And and I never have any speeches on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday during a holiday week. So I was actually off the road. And so several things happened uh, within several days. Uh, number one, uh, I live in a, a beautiful small town on, on the Bay of uh, San Francisco, uh, it's, uh, beautiful homes. It's a safe community. It's a small community. It's got a beautiful downtown, small downtown, uh, but very, very picturesque. And over the past several months, I, uh, I've noticed there, there seem to be a lot of, uh, or a number of vacancies, uh, in, in the retail stores downtown. And so I thought, you know what? I'm just going to jump in the car, park downtown. I'm going to walk, walk the downtown and I'm going to count the vacancies. And I counted 19 storefronts vacant. And if you exclude restaurants, uh, maybe there are 70 storefronts plus restaurants on the two blocks of Main Street. So there's about a 33% vacancy rate. And so I really started thinking like, uh, who would open up a shop here? Why, why would you have a retail store here? But we've got like a 33% vacancy rate in one of the most desirable communities in the planet. Um, then I started thinking about all the vacancies I witness when I'm on the road all over the U.S. I don't find it in Asia. I don't find it in Europe. I don't find it in South America and Central America. But, but in America, I mean, you go into malls and I mean, half the stores are shut down and I mean, they're boarded up. Um, and, and downtowns, I mean, most small town downtowns are just, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing there anymore. And, and so I, th- I thought about that and then something else happened. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm a big cook 
And a couple of years ago, uh, and I've always had a big Cuisinart. And a couple of years ago, I, I saw at uh, at a Costco store a small, like a mini Cuisinart. It was like thirty five dollars. And I thought, you know, I don't know if I'll ever use it, but I'll buy it. Well, I bought it. I've never used the big Cuisinart since. I mean, I use the small Cuisinart every night. I mean, for breadcrumbs or chopping onions or what, and whenever I'm cooking, when, I, when I'm off the road, well, it broke. I, I broke it uh, in the dishwasher. And so I need, needed a new one. And so I thought, um, well, the next time I'm in Costco, I'll get one. Well, maybe they won't have one. So the other day, I thought, well, I'll just go on Amazon and, and see if they have one. Obviously, they had one. It was the same price as Costco. Great price, like $35. And I ordered it. And all of a sudden, I got a pop-up which said, uh, because you're a Prime member, this will be delivered to your home within four hours. And I thought, now this is like, because I'm used to two-day delivery and I'm used to one-day delivery, but this is going to be like four or five-hour delivery. And so I thought, that is cool. Well, about a half hour later, I, I realized we were out of uh, cocktail napkins. And there's a rule in the house. If you're going to have a cocktail, a beer, or a wine, or you're going to have a guest, it is served with a cocktail napkin. And so I went back online to Amazon, and I went to the uh, a cocktail napkin company, and uh, I ordered, uh, uh, I don't know how many, 500 or 600. And it says, uh, congratulations, uh, this, these can be delivered to you within several hours uh, at no cost or no charge. And so, Dale, both of these things showed up in my house uh, within a few hours. And so I'm seeing all these empty storefronts in malls and downtowns around America. I'm seeing all of these empty shops and empty stores in my town. And now I've got now I've got Amazon delivering to my house within a few hours. And how did how did the delivery happen? Was it a van pull up? A guy jumped out, dropped the box. Was that's, it? That's exactly it. Okay. And, and rings the bell, and 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 rings the bell. And so then you look at your smartphone and say, "Aha! The Amazon guy was just here." And you run down and you get it. I I I was blown away. I I I can't begin to tell you what what a potential life changer. I think Amazon is coming further on that last mile than any other company. It's excited. So then I decided to do some research. I thought, is all retail going to die? I mean, is that what's going to happen? I mean, are they going to be replaced by Amazon and a few, a few huge companies that nail this? I mean, uh, be, because why would I want to go shopping? I mean, when I can have stuff delivered to my door within a, a few hours. So I decided to do some research. And I think the numbers we should all know. Forrester, the big research company, estimates that 86% of all retail stores still take place in brick-and-mortar buildings. So you said you think brick-and-mortar is going to be around for a long time. Well, 86% of all retail sales still take place in brick-and-mortar stores. But the number's going down every year. And you also have to watch who is doing the counting. Uh, you know, statistics lie. And like the National Retail Federation, I believe, lies like a rug with this one. Because when they talk about the number of retail locations increasing or not going down as much as it is, well, guess what? They include gas stations, car dealerships, and restaurants. I mean, so the numbers look far better than they are. But there's another big number. Forrester says that 53% of all retail sales are digitally influenced. Now, think about that. More than half of all retail sales, wherever it takes place, has been digitally influenced. And then take a look 
at store closings so far this year by companies, not just bankrupt failing companies, companies like CVS. And of course, there's the Sears debacle, Winn-Dixie and bankruptcy, JCPenney waiting for that one to fold, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond, Kmart, Pier 1, The Gap, Shopco, Chico's, 2100 Payless shoe stores. So the numbers of stores that have closed this year have already exceeded the total of all of last year and we're only five months into the year and uh, so uh, so again I I start digging I I just start digging and I found this fascinating site um, called trend watching and uh, they said look in order for retailers to exist and I I want retail to be vibrant I I want retail to exist and I want but but it's all going to have to become omni-channel uh, every, and, and more about that in a few minutes. Everybody is going to have to be doing everything. So trend watching says the phone is going to be the center of the future for retail. They say the second thing is that deep retail is the future of retail. Know your customers better than they know themselves. Number four, culture clubs. They say your staff is your, your staff is your brand. And I, I did not know this before, and I double-checked this many places. Retail turnover is 5% per month. I mean, when you take a look at that, I won't even get into the advanced math. That's just 60% turnover every year. So the phone is going to be the center, your, your magic point of sale. You have to know your customers better than they know themselves. You have to have a culture because your staff is your brand, and you've got a high turnover to deal with. And e-commerce automatic commerce is going to automate the entire experience. And finally, practical post-demographics. Customers will demand that brands reimagine their offerings around the wants and needs of a truly diverse set of customers. And this means products, services, physical space, and engagement processes that cater to everyone, including groups that have been traditionally marginalized. I thought I thought those were great insights from trend watching. So based on my research, I'm not going to make predictions. I'm not the Oracle of Delphi, but uh, I would say this. Based on everything I've read, I think the traditional mom and pops who just uh, show up, open the door, walk in, nothing changes. Uh, they're not going to change anything. I think those traditional mom and pops uh, are not going to have any advantage whatsoever. I think they're likely to be deader than a doornail, just like in my small downtown. Number two, uh, people will be looking for experiences when they shop. Everyone is in agreement with this. Uh, I think I may have mentioned this on another podcast, but we try every Sunday afternoon to go off on a family adventure. And uh, there's a town in the San Francisco Bay Area where I'd never been before in the Eastern Bay. It's called Walnut Creek. And uh, drove into Walnut Creek, parked the car, and I thought, oh my God, what have they done here? It was like being in Disneyland. It's like they demolished the entire downtown, rebuilt it. I mean, cobblestone streets, things that have been alleys filled with little shops, string little white lights hanging above the streets, cafes every place. I mean, we stayed in Walnut Creek for hours and hours, and I'm not a shopper. It was just a delight. People are looking for experiences when they shop. Number three, there's a lot of people who believe we're not going to have stores. Uh, you we're going to have showrooms. And uh, so you're not going to go into a store, select something, pay for something, and then lug it home. And that that I, I don't see any forecaster in retail who says that's going to be what it's going to be. It's going to be you go into a showroom where products highly stylized, beautifully displayed. You can touch them. You can feel them. You can try them. You can buy them. And they're going to probably be at your house before you get home. 
And there's a lot of people who believe that's a significant part of the future of retail. Uh, number four, successful retailers, based on my research, are all going to be omnichannel. And that means you can buy in the store, on the phone, on a laptop, uh, any way the customer wants to buy, any way the customer wants to be serviced. Uh, everybody is going to become 100% omnichannel if that you if if you're going to stay in business. And now, so I created this phrase, um, and so I got to explain what it is. So I think we're coming in, again, based on a lot of research this week and a lot of help from some other people, I think we're in the third wave of malls. And uh, so what was the first wave? The first wave of malls were very brilliant uh, builders, project developers who came in and built malls around America. They were prosperous. They had them for a long time. And, uh, and then when malls started failing... And malls have been challenged for years in every geographic region. Uh, what they what they just started doing is uh, selling out. A lot of the company developers went through bankruptcy, started selling out. And I'm um, I, I'm hesitant to use the example of the hotel industry, but the second wave of mall owners were people who came in, promised to do so, bought them for pennies on a dollar. Uh, because the profits have been sucked out for years and years and years, promised to do everything, uh, did nothing, and are just sucking whatever money they can get out of these malls without any improvements or any changes being made. It's kind of what happened basically in the motel business where a certain group of people own all the motels. They buy a motel, never improve it. Uh, never fix anything, just suck out the cash to buy another motel and another motel and another motel. And these are a lot of the owners of malls currently in the United States. But I think what's going to happen, the third wave is going to be this. And, and again, counting on a lot of vision of a lot of other people, that uh, the third wave of malls is they're going to be totally imagined spaces, including living, entertaining, health providing, playing, and shopping experiences. Uh, number six, uh, there's going to be very few uh, average stores and many more remarkable stores. You're going to have to be remarkable to make it. Um, if our listeners are not familiar, I urge you to visit the website Restoration Hardware and take a tour of the stores that they have and the stores that they are building, and you will go, I can't believe this thing started out basically as a hardware store, Restoration Hardware. Uh, I, I like this one. Uh, again, the more I dug, clerks, cashiers, and stock keepers, uh, all that stuff is going to be handled by and replaced by automation. But so there's going to be less people employed in traditional retail, but who are going to be the victors? Uh, the best salespeople who are going to make a lot more money. A lot more money. Uh, number nine, and there's just two more. I think retailers are going to have to earn trust. Uh, and and a lot of consultants and a lot of visionaries in the business believe that too. I remember, I'm not going to mention the retailer, but a few years ago, uh, I went in and this store said, if you give us your email address, we'll give you a free carton of eggs. Well, Mr. Gullible, I said, okay, well, I like that brand of eggs, and I'm sure you'll be responsible with my email address, not. And I gave them my email address. I got a carton of eggs. And what happened? I was bombarded with more meaningless offers than you've ever seen in your life. And what I finally did is I had to totally block them. Uh, retailers are going to have to earn trust. People are not going to be 
willy-nilly sharing their information. You have to trust somebody before you're going to give it. And then finally, number 10, numbers worth considering. With worldwide e-commerce numbers expected to hit $5 trillion in two years. Dale, four years ago, that was $1 trillion. It's supposed to hit $5 trillion in two years. In the U.S., e-retail will go from $500 billion to $750 billion in the next two years, according to Statista. And that $250 billion that's going to go to e-retail is coming from somewhere. And I bet it's traditional brick and mortar stores who don't get it. So those are, after a lot of research this week, uh, because what I saw happening is I travel across the United States and my own small town and Amazon delivering stuff within a few hours, I was motivated to start doing a lot of research. And those are the 10 big things that I came up with. If you're in the retail space, it's so important. As I said, I think retail is going to stick around, but it's dependent on what you outlined. You've got to do that right. Um, So I... I pulled up Costco's profitability mm-hmm. for the trailing 12 months and yes. it's a, it's a positive upward trend. And you think about, I mean, you mentioned Costco, but you think about the experience when you walk in to a Costco, if you ever talk to Costco employees, um, well, here's what you do. Next time you're in Costco, look at their name tags and they have the year that they yep. started working yep. at Costco. And it's really difficult to find somebody who has a, a current or recent year. Right. I've looked and most of them, you know, it's 2007, 2009. It's if you go to work, it, well, listen, if you go to work for Costco, um, uh, I mean, you're probably not going to leave Costco, but you're also going to have to fit into Costco or you'll leave very quickly. I'm sure the Costco is one of those companies where you either fit in quickly or you don't fit in quickly. But if you fit in, you're not going to leave. And just imagine how they value their people and the benefits they provide their people. Uh, several years ago, uh, there was an analyst for Deutsche Bank, uh, some jerk. And he wrote a piece, uh, uh, he was quoted in the Wall Street Journal as saying, Costco could uh, improve their profitability so much if they ended these ridiculous health benefits that they provide their employees. And so I found this guy's, uh, I found surreptitiously, I found this guy's email address and I sent him a letter and said, uh, you're an ass. And guess what? I hope somebody cuts your health benefits, you jerk. I mean, come on. Costco really treats their people well. They've got a very strong culture. In fact, we have a saying in the house here. uh, We don't need Christmas gifts. We just need a weekly trip to Costco. We're okay. (laughs) So I think that's one type of retail that is attractive to people. You'll go and and work through it. And they make it super convenient. I mean, even long lines and you'll get through. So that's the big side. I think about, um, I bought a bicycle last year. And I could have bought a bicycle online. Yes. Yep. But the experience from this local shop, the owner just took so much time to get me fitted for the bicycle to make sure it was the bike that worked for me and invested time that there's no way and taught me things that I didn't know. Yes. And I wa- I felt like I walked out of the shop a better person and I had a better bicycle not necessarily a more expensive bicycle, but it was the right bicycle. Right. And it's those type of experiences that tie into those points that you give us. Exactly. Cast the future for retail. uh, Exactly. Because just because you rent a space and bring in inventory, you have not earned the right for customer, for the business of customers and you're not going to get it. Exactly. 
And then flip side, my wife and I walk into a national chain mattress store. Yes. A couple weeks ago. Yes. What a horrid experience that was. Didn't you want, when you left, uh, you can say the name if you want. You don't have to say the name if you don't want to, but I know the one you're talking about. And when you left, didn't you feel like going home and taking a bath in a, yes. tub, full, in, in a tub full of Lysol? Exactly. And, and by the, and, and the price tag was astronomical. And so I started doing, so I looked at online and it was clear that the on, you know, online, these mattress, uh, it, the entrepreneurs who are starting up these mattress, the startups, the Caspers, the yes. uh, Helix, you, yes. I mean, they're going to absolutely shut the, the mass retailers down because they've got the price you can pick it out and the well, service that you yeah. get online is so much better. And the one we're talking about, as you probably know, has closed hundreds of stores this year and is either in or flirting on the edge of bankruptcy. And it's something that they have earned. Yeah. So uh, that's, those are the two sides that I see. Uh, so I'll illustrate so, your points. So, so I will, I'll, I'll conclude this way. I, I think brick and mortar is going to continue to be there, but every brick and mortar store is going to be omni-channel. Every uh, every retail brick and mortar store that's going to be there will not only be omnichannel. They're going to have to be consistently upping their game, earning the trust, anticipating what the customer wants, and giving up the ghost on this idea that just because we're in business, we have a right to be successful. That's not going to be the case. Absolutely. Any other anything else brewing in that brain of yours? Yeah. Uh, well, but I would say this, I like when you always ask. So actually I, I've now started thinking, I know Dale's going to ask me, do I have any final comments? So I better come up with some kind of a final comment. And uh, I would say this, um, I know firsthand growth is painful. Change is painful. And they are both growth and change have pain associated with them, but nothing is as painful as being stuck somewhere without a future. <laughs> now that would be the ultimate in pain. No kidding. Chew on that one. Especially if you're working in a mattress store. <laughs> Great being with you, my friend. <laughs> it's good being with you. Thank you so much. Uh, eye-opening conversation. I'm going to remind folks, uh, since you are listening right now at this moment in your hopefully favorite podcast listening app, go in, be sure you're subscribed to this podcast while you're there. Rate and review the podcast. It makes it easier for people to find this this content when they are out looking for these topics. And... Drop Jason a note. Let him know what you think the future of retail is. If he missed a point or if you want to expound on a point that he made, it's jason at jason-jennings.com, the email address. Jason Jennings is the author who USA Today has called one of the three most in-demand business speakers in the world. Learn how your group or company can have Jason keynote your next event. Visit that website. It's jason-jennings.com. This is The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. You've been listening to The Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason-jennings.com.